Today on the Scottsdale Podcast, we have a teaching session from our Tuesday Theology class. And today's teaching is led by Gary Davis, one of our lay elders. However, in this episode, you will get a chance to hear from many of our own people as they explain the doctrine of sin. At Scottsdale, one of our core values is studying God's word. So through this theology class, our goal is to equip our people with the right knowledge of God. Enjoy, and we hope that you will grow in your knowledge of God and application of His Word. Um, I'm Gary Davis. I'm one of the elders here, uh, and uh, uh, we're gonna. The topic tonight is uh, sin, so it's a topic I'm sure everybody's an expert in, and uh, <laughs> we know it quite well. Amen. <laughs> but uh, let's go to our Father in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much for all that you do for us. We thank you for the ability to get together like this uh, in a a place uh, in this country, in a church like this. We thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you for its timelessness and timeliness. Uh, We thank you uh, for these folks who are dedicating more time to to learn a little more about you. Be with us this evening as um, we cover this topic. Uh, guide us and direct us, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll ask group one if um, they have their spokesperson come forward here. Uh, sin is any failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, attitude, or nature. And it uh, looks like we have another. This may be uh, maybe your, your special definition. Uh, no, no. It's no? actually the second one that he had in his book. So. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, a life that is pleasing to God is one that is moral purity, not only in his actions, but also in the de- desires of the heart. This was a large part of our conversation, uh, which is that sin is defined not just by what you do, but uh, how you think, um, and then also by the nature in which you were born. And so um, I, I think we settled mostly on, on the sin is any disposition of uh, any disposition that is um, contrary to God's nature or his will or his laws. So um, that's kind of a restatement of Grudem's definition. Um, and then when we got into the, what the world's definition of that is, it was really similar, uh, except for we said the world is going to take that or a similar definition of that, and they're going to remove your thought life, and they're going to remove your nature because the world thinks you're good, you're born good, uh, the world is not going to condemn you for your thoughts. Um, they're going to call sin as those things that you do that harm others. And they might not even want to use the word sin. They might think that's a little too serious. What's the big tent? You might have to come up here. And <laughs> right. No, yeah, I, they would. I think that is a pretty common answer. Oh, yeah, you know, Ten Commandments. But then if you don't know what the Ten Commandments say, you won't realize that a lot of the things in the Ten Commandments, the world probably would not characterize as really all that bad. So what do we have? Wikipedia. Oh, well, I should have started with that. Uh, each culture has its own interpretation of what it means to commit a sin, while sins are generally considered actions. Any thought, word, or act considered immoral, selfish, shameful, harmful, or alienating might be termed sinful. I like that might be uh, very ambiguous. Uh, Webster's, an offense against religious and moral law, an action that is or is felt to be highly reprehensible. It is a sin to waste food. I, I would say for the world's uh, definition of sin, this is easily characterized by a changing definition, something that morphs along the timeline as, 
you know, different cultures decide what is good or bad. And then, uh, and of course, it always comes down to does it harm somebody else? And some subjective definition of harm, uh, if it harms somebody else, then that would be characterized as sin by the world. All right, cool. So, yeah, we had what is the origin of sin? Um, so, obviously, God is not to be blamed for sin. Um, we, uh, Deuteronomy 32.4, the rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, or iniquity just, as, uh, just and right he is. And then you got some more examples here. Therefore, hear me, you men of understanding. Far be it from God that he should do wickedness and from the Almighty that he should do no wrong. So there's multiple examples here that God did not, he does not, um, he cannot be blamed for sin. He is not the person who actually causes sin or introduces sin in the sense of committing sin or anything like that. Um, So that's one thing we talked about. Let's see what is. So as we go into this, so the sin of Adam and Eve, as we go through that in Genesis 3, 1 through 19, where do you place your trust? Um, so is your trust in God, the serpent, or in self? Uh, then the question of what is right, a commandment of God or of the serpent? And then who is the created, the creator or the created? And so we had a couple of different conversations around this about what are the sins that Adam and Eve committed. Um, so we come up with a couple of different uh, answers. Uh, one of them was lust of the eyes that they saw something that they wanted. And so they, they sought after that. Uh, even though they were told that they shouldn't have, we have um, lust of the flesh. So they thought, you know, this is my, uh, this is my flesh. This is, I want to do this. And then they have the um, pride of life as well. So with the pride of life, um, you know, they thought, why can't I be like God? You know, I can eat of this fruit and be just like him. Why does he not want me to be like him and have all this knowledge and understanding? I can be the same way. And so there was a couple different, in that one act, there was multiple sin, sins that were committed, multiple commandments by God that were broken. And so was God the author of sin? So he ordained that sin would come and about, uh, would come about through the voluntary choices of moral uh, creatures, angels and humans sin by willful voluntary choice. And so that's the important thing to think of here is everything is predestined before the foundation of the earth. But at the same time, we have a free will in the fact that we're able to make decisions. So God didn't make us make decisions or anything like that. We make our own decisions and we choose to sin whenever we choose to sin because of that sin nature that we have. And so whenever we choose to do that, that is on our own free will and of our own choice and not something that God is forcing us to do. And so we walked around this you know, this uh, question of author, what does author actually mean here in this context and everything? Um, does he, you know, does he, he knows everything that's going to happen. He knows everything that's already happened. So is he, you know, is he have it all planned out to where, you know, he allows it and everything? Um, does he, you know, orchestrate it? Does he set up events and everything that actually, you know, cause people to sin or, and kind of around this whole thing. But ultimately, God does not create sin in the sense of he doesn't sin or anything. And so that's the important thing to look for there. But we do it by our own willful choice. And so all sin is ultimately irrational. Um, So the fool says, uh, says in the heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none that does good. So we are able to do nothing good of our own apart from Christ. So group three is defined the doctrine of inherited sin. 
what is it? And what about uh, infants who die before they're saved? So plug that in your lapel there. And um, well, as far, as far as inherited sin, uh, in God's eyes, when Adam and Eve was in the Garden of Eden, they were going through a time of testing. And during that time of testing, they failed. So in His eyes, all mankind inherited His sin. Um, as far as our nature, uh, we, are, we also inherited the guilt through Adam because he sinned in the, in the garden. We also inherited through his nature uh, that it was passed down through us because we, when we are born, uh, you know, we're born into sin as we come from our mother's womb. Even in the womb, uh, we're, we already have a sinful nature. Um, it says in Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Um, among, uh, in Ephesians 2.3 says, Among these, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, following desires of the body and mind, and so we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. In ourselves, we have a total lack of spiritual good before God. Uh, every part of us is affected by sin. Um, so that's basically how I understand it as far as uh, having inherited sin. Okay, question two. As far as infants, um, the Bible really, to me, is kind of quiet on it. It doesn't give a clear-cut um, um, passage on whether infants would be saved. The one passage we do have that I read in there is about David, when David sinned with Bathsheba, um, the Lord took his son. And after he fasted and all that, uh, and the son boy died, the prophet confronted him with it and asked him, you know, said, you know, while you were while your son was alive, you fasted and everything. And now that he's dead, you're eating. He said, I don't understand this. And he says, I cannot go to him. Or he cannot come back to me, but I can go to him. That is the only passage uh, in there that kind of gives an idea that he can, other than uh, John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit from the mother's womb. So God certainly in an unusual way, can save infants. I do believe. How He does it, you know, I don't know without them hearing the gospel, but I do believe that He can do that. So, uh, yeah, the unpardonable sin. So, um, just real quickly, by a show of hands, I'm really curious to see how many of you all, before reading this chapter, actually knew that there was an unpardonable or um, unforgivable sin. Yeah, a handful of you. I thought this would be something they'd, they'd teach me a little bit more in Sunday school, right? There's <laughs> actually a sin that would be, yeah, un, un, unpardonable. So um, I guess uh, uh, looking at Scripture, 
what the um, unpardonable or unforgivable sin is. Uh, so Matthew twelve thirty two, I would say B. Um, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. And then you see again in Mark three twenty nine. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit um, uh, never is forgiven. So um, blaspheming or coming against the Holy Spirit um, seems like a pretty simple answer. I think it's a little bit more, more, more deeper than that. Um, Gruden goes on to really say the definition here is um, unusually malicious, willful rejection and slander against the Holy Spirit's work, uh, testing to Christ, and uh, what does that say? Attributing that work to Satan. So um, one of the examples they used was the, uh, um, the Pharisees when um, Jesus was, was healing individuals and um, um, uh, doing some, some great works. They were saying, no, 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 that, like their knowledge, they knew this was the Holy Spirit, but then uh, they were saying, no, 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 that's actually, you know, using demon, demonic powers. He's actually that like Satan. So I think that's sort of um, um, how you sort of break down this, this unforgivable sin. Um, Gruden continues to go on to really give sort of, sort of um, four attributes to this. So um, the first one is... Uh, clear knowledge of who Christ is. That's number one. So you, 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 you kind of need these four as sort of the recipe of this unforgivable sin, right? Um, so clear knowledge of who Christ is, knowledge that the Holy Spirit is working through him, uh, willful rejection of these facts, and then slanderously attributing the work of the Holy Spirit in Christ to the power of Satan. So really those, those four attributes all together create sort of this um, unforgivable sin. What is my question? <laughs> okay. Are there degrees of sin? Um, I think in the text, it was pretty clear that he talked about legal guilt that we've all sinned. Um, and if we, without measuring that sin, we're all guilty of sin. Um, but then there's a second part that it's the results in life and our relationship with God. Um, that are also impacted by the sins. And that's where we felt like, I think as a group, the degrees came in where we can do some things that um, separate us from God and our fellowship with God um, that are more harmful than other sins, um, certainly. Um, we did have one example I thought was really good in our group of a speeding ticket. Um, obviously, if you're you know, five miles over the speed limit, you know, you're violating the law. But if you're 25 miles over the speed limit, you know, it's a greater violation of the law. So that's how we felt like uh, was a good example of um, degrees. But then we become humans, or we are humans, and we start comparing things. Um, and, you know, we all look around and say, well, whew, you know, I didn't do that, Madison, you know, that kind of thing. And that's where uh, we just wanted to, you know, we all just need to be aware that we have to answer for those sins in the end, no matter how bad or good we think they are here on earth. Um, we'd had a lot of questions too. I mean, I don't think we get a lot of answers sometimes mm -hmm. on um, d if we repent of a sin, God says, you know, he forgives us. Um, but do we have to answer for that when we go to see him? I, I don't know the answer. You know what I mean? Do we answer for every single thing? I mean, how long is my list? Yeah. You know, how long does he give me? That kind of stuff. So, um, that's kind of a consensus of where our group was. So that's all I have for tonight. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot more information. So again, I encourage you to go to the Gruden's uh, website and listen to those uh, lectures. They're very, very deep. And uh, he struggles with a lot of things just like we do.
You are dismissed. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and we hope that this teaching has enriched your understanding of God. If you found this teaching to be helpful, share it with your friends and family on social media and tag us at Scott's Hill. Till next time. <laughs>